We are uh, celebrating Easter joy. We continue to do that. Last Sunday was an amazing Sunday of celebration, and it's been a wonderful week of watching the power of Easter continue to unfold. And I hope that you've been able to experience Easter several times, many times, since last Sunday. Uh, Before I begin my message, I want to let you know the context of it, and that is that we're beginning a series for this month, uh, dribbling a little bit into May, and we're going to be talking about the questions that God asks of us. Uh, I spend a lot of my time uh, asking God a lot of questions. Uh, Sometimes because I'm curious, sometimes because I'm confused, sometimes because I'm mad, and I spend a lot of my time talking to people who are wondering about their questions. Are they appropriate? Are they being said the right way? Are they talking about two trivial things? And among all the questions we have about our questions, it's an interesting thing to consider. Maybe it's time for us to lay down our questions and listen to the questions God asks of us. And so we're going to do a walk uh, for the next several weeks around some of the questions that Scripture shows us God asking humanity. And we're going to be talking about that in a way that may help us not only get a better perspective of what God might be thinking about, but also get our questions more aligned uh, with understanding what's really important, what's valuable in the eyes of God in our faith walk. So that's what I invite you into, and I invite you to join with me in a word of prayer as I get ready to start. Good and loving God, we are amazed still today at the power of the story. A story that became so much more than just words on a page. It has become the focus of our life. It has saved our lives. It has given meaning to our life. And we come today as a celebrating Easter people. We come still trying to figure out all what it means, not unlike the disciples long ago. But even as we stand here today in this moment, we know it's our need, our opportunity, and our joy to worship you. To lay our hearts and our lives in front of you and And in that lane, and trusting in your presence with us, anticipate, even expect again, the stirring of our souls and the resurrection of our lives by your grace. So bless us, bless the use of my words, and all of our efforts that this day might be to your glory in the name of Christ. Amen. You know, of course, that I have, as you do, I'm sure, a number of roles in your life that you play. Uh, the ones you do professionally, the ones you do personally, within family, with friends, and so on. And if you know me at all, you know one of the roles that I love the most is being Poppy. I love being Poppy. I'm Poppy to three children in the world, and a fourth one will arrive sometime in the middle of June. And when I'm with my grandchildren, I am absolutely in the best place of life. That's because they still like playing with Poppy. (laughs) Elena and I love this game that we play. Uh, Every time I see her, she runs up to me and jumps in my arms, and she throws herself over my shoulders so I can dangle her. She thinks that's big fun. And then I put her down on the floor, and she runs around behind Poppy, and she grabs onto the back of my shirt or my belt or whatever she can grab hold of, and she says, find me, Poppy. So I'll go over here and look behind the curtain. Are you there, Elena? And I'll hear behind me a gleeful, no. And then I'll come over here behind the couch. Are you there, Elena? No. And she's loving it and having a great time. And she knows after we've done this about four or five times what's coming. I stand in the middle of the room and I begin looking like real fast for her. And eventually we'll find facing each other. And she just giggles and I pick her up. That's a good time. 
the best game in the world I've ever played. Amen? You understand what I'm talking about? I cherish those moments with my Elena. I, I love that game. And I know that one of the reasons I love it is because she loves playing it with me. And I know that the time is soon coming when she won't have as much time for Poppy. Oh, she'll love me. I, I know that. But there'll be other things, other interests, other ones that will, well, maybe even excite her more. They will draw her attention away. And she'll say, hey to Poppy, and she'll be glad I'm there, but then she'll go on. You understand? And I get that. I understand that. I'm even willing to accept it while I acknowledge the fact that even knowing it makes me still a little sad. And I know that when that time comes and when she's off doing her life, I know what I'll do. I will stand ready for the moments when I'll walk in the house and she will give Poppy a quick hug and a kiss before she runs off to do whatever. And I'll stand ready until the day comes when she's able to come back and just be at one with Poppy as a mature woman. And I'll be ready for that. And I'll yearn for that. I even look forward to it in some ways, even though it makes me somewhat sad. Because I always wanted to be my little Elena. I'm sure that when God went for a walk that day, he was looking for the man and the woman the way it always had been. If you don't know the story, uh, God has created the world, and God has, has created all that is in the world, and that includes how it's recorded here in Genesis 3, the man and the woman. And he set them up in this amazingly gorgeous place called the garden, and they have everything that they need, each other, all the food they need, and their God intimately relating to them. And so it was a wonderful thing. And you just heard Jeremy tell you what happens in that garden. The serpent comes along and, and says, you know, maybe you don't have all that you need. <laughs> you, know that, you know that tree? The, did God tell you not to eat that, of that tree? And, and well, yeah, that's, no, that's not true, the serpent said. You, you really need to eat of the tree because if you eat of the tree, you'll have the wisdom of God. And so the woman looks at the tree and listens to the serpent. And oh, by the way, let's get over it right away. The guy was there too, okay? Let's just get that on the table right away. And so they both ate of the tree. And they realized things they hadn't realized before because they listened to things they hadn't listened to before. And they realized that their relationship was different. They were different. And it's the first time in scriptures you hear the word ashamed. And so they're ashamed of their nakedness, which is an interesting idea to be ashamed of being naked in front of God and others, being vulnerable. We've bought into that pretty heavily, haven't we, at a lot of levels. And so they go off and they make their clothes. And later on in the day, whatever that means, they hear God coming for a walk in the garden. 
And you can understand, this is not uncommon. God oftentimes came to the garden to hang out with them. That was the nature of the relationship. But in this moment, when they heard it for the first time in their life, they were scared, and they ran to hide. God comes into the garden. Hey, man, hey, woman. Now, do you really think God didn't know where they were? Where are you? Hey, where are you? It's not a question of ignorance. It's a question of invitational relationship. I'm coming to be with you. I want, I want to hang out with you. And it's, in this case, the man who steps out and says, Ah, hey, where are you, man? Well, I realized that we were naked and we were ashamed and we were hiding. Who told you that? Now, this story is a story that the Hebrews shared with their generations that followed throughout the ages to tell certain truths. Let's be clear, the Hebrews were not at all concerned about teaching historical fact. They were teaching relationship truth to build upon a foundation that would, that would impact the future. And so they told this story to have all who would hear it understand several things. Now, in the trying to understand the story, we've done some pretty weird things with it. Uh, we have suggested that, yes, women, you're to blame for the mess we're in. We've tried to pull that hoax for a long time. Uh, it hasn't worked very well, has it? Because we're pretty screwed up, too. <laughs> and, and we've tried to say, well, it, it's a story of, uh, of the loss of our innocence. Uh, it explains why snakes squiggle around on their bellies and not legs. I mean, we have put all kinds of things into this story. to distract us away from the central truth of the story. Our God asks the questions, question, where are you? The ultimate message of this story is that our God is a God who has continually throughout the ages to all God's people and individuals alike to ask the question, where are you? Now, you can hear the question, where are you, as a fearful question, where are you? You know, like when you were sneaking out past curfew and you got a call, where are you, came mom and dad's question. Oh, deep. Or, or you can hear it, hey, where are you? An invitation. I, can I come hang out with you? And in this story, God is just asking the question, where are you? I want to have a relationship with you. God comes to us in this story and in the experience of every life from the first time this story was told to this to ask the question, where are you? Because God is desiring to be in relationship with us. And so throughout scriptures we hear the question asked over and over again in a lot of different ways. Hey, where are you, my people who just made covenant with me? As they wander off to go move away from God. Where are you? And God continues to come back and ask the question, where are you? 
We hear the question as it comes in the life of Jesus, who comes into the world and begins to relate to all manners of people, not at face value, but at a deeper level, by asking, where are you? Who are you? Because I seek to be in a relationship with you. It's the nature of this God. It's the nature of Jesus Christ. And of course, we've just celebrated Easter, which is the fundamental celebration of this expression of the critical question. Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. Jesus Christ is Lord of life. And now coming out of the empty tomb, he is not emancipated to go on his own way, but rather risen to ask the question, now in the light of this resurrection truth, where are you? Because I've gone as far as I can go to establish a relationship with you. Now, can we join together? Can we be one with each other? Of course, like the story, upon hearing that question, our tendency often is to do exactly what the man did. Avoid it. Run from it and create all manners of excuses as to our answer for it. Where are you with Jesus Christ, the risen Lord, today? We can sing hallelujah. We did that pretty well last Sunday. But where are you with the risen Christ today? Where are you in that relationship, in that dynamic experience of the living, resurrected God? Well, you know, I'm all about God. I think God's pretty amazing. I think it's Jesus Christ thing's pretty cool, but... And we put all kinds of excuses and, and barriers up. And all the time, this God just keeps coming to us in the form of Jesus Christ and saying, I'm here. This past week, and actually for the last number of weeks, I've noticed sort of a theme that's been occurring in my conversations with people. Because sometimes that happens. that You'll go through a series of weeks or months where you just keep encountering similar kinds of life questions in people's situation. And and I've been talking to a lot of people, a lot of people, who've had questions about, worry about, fear about, what's going on with their children. And that's been people who are raising, you know, these highs to those who are long since out of the home. And they're worried about their children, and they're wondering what their children are going to do, and what decisions they're making, and they're anxious about that. And every time I hear these questions, I keep going back to, that's got to be what God keeps asking of us. And, and part of the answer for us as parents is often to say, gee, if only we could have kept them home. <laughs> Whoever said our children should, should leave home? Who came up with that concept? <laughs> well, I did a few times when they were teenagers, yes. In fact, there were a few times I was encouraging of it. And we're willing to do that when things are stressful and our two-year-old's throwing our tantrum or 16-year-old's telling us how much they hate us and so on. That all happens, that's true, but there are other moments when you wish you could just pull them right back in the house for their safety, for your needs. God understands that. I assume on this day when he goes through the garden 
God asks the question, where are you, knowing full well it has changed, and reality is it was going to inevitably change. Because isn't it true that children do need to leave home? And it was in our nature, we were going to leave the garden. We weren't going to stay there. God knew it even when he gave it to us. Which is why the question becomes all that more important. Where are you? Because now that we're outside the garden, now that we're outside of the home, the question is so important. Where are you? speaks about a desire to be in relationship with you. Continually. To walk with you. To be with you in your times of need. Be with you in your moments of joy. You see, the truth is, I don't really want my kids moving back in either. But I want to play with their children. <laughs> and I want to talk with them. I don't want my daughters to become four-year-olds again but I really want to be in relationship with them as the women they are, to hear their stories, to talk with them, to, to hear the truth of their lives, for them not to try to act perfect or put on a facade in front of old dad, but rather to live their life genuinely, because quite frankly, I don't have the energy ability to look perfect in front of them either. I just want to be with them. And when those moments come, it's precious. Do you understand? Where are you? The reason it's an appropriate Genesis question after the resurrection of Jesus Christ is because in this moment we come to a place where God is asking us, even as the risen Lord, where are you? Where are your hurts and your wounds? Where are your joys and your sorrows? Where are the blessings of your life, the things that made you laugh this week? Tell me them. Where are you? And even knowing whether or not I'm your Lord. Because today, the first Sunday after Easter, we know where Jesus is. He's risen. And he's present to us, asking the question, where are you? Let's be together. Come and share and be with the one who really wants to be with you, even Jesus Christ our Lord.